As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Elianusi, the player who was fouled, McTominay shown the yellow card. And with virtually the last action of the game, FC Copenhagen have been given a penalty. Larson against Onana. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United and this is the sound of relief echoing around Old Trafford after Andre Onana has saved a penalty with the very, very, very last touch of the game. Absolutely incredible. I'm inside the press box, sat next to Andy Mitten. We'll talk to Laurie Whitwell and Carl Anker later on in the pod. But Andy, my goodness, did United need that? And Onana needed it as well. I head in hands once again 94th minute penalty conceded after another pretty poor performance from Manchester United especially in the first half Christian Eriksen changed the game in the second half he was easily Manchester United's most creative force but I honestly thought that that was going to be one point from three games in the Champions League and that Manchester United had failed to win a must win game brilliant from Anana he's had a really rough time and that's the moment that's why people are shouting now towards the Copenhagen fans who've been fantastic and the Copenhagen players are going to their fans as well but it'll be an honour who gets um, the, the headlines United's dream is it a dream of staying in this Champions League stage <laughs> I don't know what the word is yeah I unbelievable just, I just don't think United are very good at the moment and that's not going to change with one penalty save and I'm really worried about lots of aspects of the team. I know we're missing players. We scraped to win. I felt we scraped to win in Sheffield on Saturday, but it's better to scrape a win than lose. It certainly is. Um, every single screen that I can see in front of me in the press box has Andre Onana on it. The cameras are following his every move. He's just walked past the Stretford end and got a lovely ovation from the supporters as well. Um, it was a night for fallen heroes in a way as well. Harry Maguire scoring the winner we were talking about a potential renaissance for him 
that's not going to do him any harm either, is it, getting that goal in front of the Stratford end? No, you could see in Harry's celebration how much it, it meant to him, and he did well to head that ball down. There had been a couple of chances in the second half, so it, it was leading up to it because there was absolutely nothing in the first half against a very well-drilled FC Copenhagen team. Uh, the Copenhagen fans are singing, you only sing when you're winning in English to the United fans. <laughs> I like this, it's quite amusing. Yeah, they're not responding in Danish, are they? No, we should go over there in Denmark and start singing in Danish. That would be, that'd be <laughs> quite funny. The, the Old Trafford has really only come to life in the last couple of minutes after that penalty has been saved. I'm really nervous when I watch Manchester United at the moment because the team are so far off where I think and hope that they should be. So many players are really, really disappointing. But you still have players with enough individual talent like Christian Eriksen to play those beautiful balls forward. Bruno Fernandes did twice actually in the second half as well and he won a key tackle on the edge of his area to set up an attack. It's not happening for the attack, the attackers are not scoring. You mentioned him Maguire, he's another defender who's scored. So it's, it, it's a win and that's all we needed for tonight. That's what the record books will remember. You know, the night of the homage to, to, to Sir Bobby Charlton, Manchester United won. But when we go deeper into it on this podcast, I've heard the Copenhagen fans are now singing USA. Cheeky little devils. Yeah, but they missed the last minute penalty, didn't they? Yeah, I'm going to start singing Bronby when I go over there just to <laughs> wind them up in Danish because it's the same. Well, things have calmed down a little bit now at Old Trafford. And Andy Mitten has stopped insulting Danish people. Um, Laurie Whitwell's joined us. Laurie, what a fantastic end to that football match. Great end, but I've got to say first and foremost, no way was devils the word that first popped into Andy Mitten's mind when he's trying to describe the Copenhagen fans chanting USA. You were definitely going to say, bastards. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, yeah. We'll move yeah. on. No, you're right, you're right. You're right to pick me up on it. I'll take it. I'll take it as a loss. <laughs> Not only have the fans headed home, but Eriksen Haag has held his press conference after the game. Andy Mitten's been down to the mix zone trying to stop Manchester United players from leaving without speaking to him. And he's managed to speak to one. Well done, Andy. Who did you get? I'd be over-egging it if I said I got anybody because Rasmus Hoyland's brother was talking to the Danish media. And then Rasmus walked out and saw his brother. It was really nice, actually. He seemed so proud that his way my brother's speaking to loads of journalists because there was a big um, press contingent here from, from Denmark and he walked behind him and he flicked the microphone because his brother couldn't see um, that Rasmus was behind him and then there was a, a conversation going on in, in Danish and then Rasmus started talking to some of the English journalists there in English. And he actually said some really good stuff as well. So, Are you allowed to tell long, us considering was, this podcast was, is not going out for a couple way. of days? Is it not coming out for a couple of days? It's not out till Thursday, <laughs> so... There, there, there is an embargo on this. <laughs> till when? 1pm um, tomorrow. You can tell us then. You <laughs> crack on, mate. I can tell you. Well, half of it is in Danish, which we are working on to get translated. Yeah, don't Seriously. tell us that bit. Yeah. Well, he says he's going to score a trick against City at the weekend. <laughs> what do you think? I tell you what, he's a very self-confident lad. And he's got a really positive demeanour about him. You're saying these as positives, yeah? I'm saying it totally as positives. I think physically he looks the part. For a 20-year-old, I think he speaks really well. 
And I tell you what, not every Manchester United player has that same confidence about them. And I don't know whether he's going to get worn down by being here like other players and in 18 months' time just walk through the mix zone thinking, I hate life, I'm not speaking to any of you. <laughs> but he was really good. And he was talking about how his patterns of play are progressing, his relationship with players in a footballing sense is improving day by day. And he also said, I'm 20 years old, just let me learn. I like the fact that he's got the self-confidence to, to say that, because it's true. And he's not going to promise anything that he can't deliver. Um, no, he was good. I think he is good. I thought in the first half, it was a terrible first half. He was awful. maybe one of the few, very few decent decent players but of course he's got a score as well let's talk about that first half Laurie I mean Andy and I obviously were speaking a moment ago on the final whistle and we all were caught up in yet another absolutely ridiculously dramatic finish at Old Trafford they seem to be able to produce these moments but they don't seem to be able to produce consistent spells of playing good football do they the first half was so painful excruciating I mean we've had a Sheffield I think it was worse than Sheffield United because at least that had an element of chaos to it. it I think some... you quite enjoyed Sheffield United when the way you were talking on the last pod. <laughs> when you're there, it's different, isn't it? And I know we've, we've, been, we've been here before. I think I, I loved a nil-nil against Man City a couple of years ago when you were all just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't love this nil-nil. I take nil-nil at the weekend, I think, at the moment. <laughs> as bad as Brentford in the first half? Uh, I think this is as bad as I've, anything I've seen this season. Awful. I think so, just because... It had nothing to it, and you had. I mean, I, I did a tweet at the time that was, you know, you had Amrabat tackling himself, you had Anthony dribbling the ball straight out of play, and you had Andre Onana just booting the ball into touch. And you're just thinking, this is comedy. This is this is so bad. Mm. Um, and clearly afterwards, you know, Ericsson Arg made a change at half time. He took Amrabat off for Ericsson. That that did change the complexion. You know, Ericsson was able to kind of make those kind of passes to to push Copenhagen back. And, and listen, Copenhagen were defensively well organised. Mm. Um, but it just felt, it, it reminded me of uh, PSV visiting here in 2015 under Louis van Gaal. Yeah, oh, me too, definitely. Did actually? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Do you know, the only reason I remember that game is because it was a very rare occasion that I did a Champions League game here for work because I was, you know, the Midlands correspondent at the Daily Mail and I got, <laughs> I, got, I got the call up and I was like buzzing and then, no, <laughs> 90 minutes of absolute turgid football and they drew nil-nil and that was basically the result that then sort of saw them go out of the Champions League at the group stages. So I sort of I was reminded, I was like thinking, come on, you need to win this match. What's happening? You, you seem half asleep. Well, it was a must-win, wasn't it? And it, it had the feel of a must-win in the build-up. Um, we'll talk a little bit later on about a very poignant tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton before kick-off as well. But in terms of the actual football tonight, it was an extremely important game for Manchester United to win. And it didn't feel like the team brought any of that energy in that first half, or even for large parts of the second half. The, the only thing that happened in the first half, uh, from a United perspective, was Rashford putting a ball through to Hoyland and him, him sort of blasting over which is the same pass that he did against Crystal Palace when he was clean through and then he had that finish that the guy cleared off the line so that's clearly something that they're working on I mean it's, yeah. it's not the most sophisticated of things but you know Rashford on the left and pinging a first time ball over toilet it could work again it's worked twice It's the transitional qualities that Tenag seems to be working towards that he's talked about as well isn't it the United are able to do that in some moments but yeah. not controlling the game still really well, no, I mean, but that, I thought that was the worst thing about the first half in that they were sort of just passing it around with no end product, no no purpose to them. Whereas at least in the second half, there was more energy, there was more direct um, attacks. I mean, they could have really won it 
comfortably in the end if they'd you know if Garnacho has a heavy touch Rashford had a heavy touch um, the, the touches seem Hoyland had a head of heavy touch Hoyland had a well, Hoyland had a heavy, heavy Hoyland had a heavy touch that's really hard to say with that chance that then uh, McTominay feeds Garnacho but he managed to sort of salvage it a little bit it was interesting that McTominay didn't go to Rashford I guess maybe he's thinking Garnacho cutting in on his right is a better option and then I, I mean, are we giving McTominay any credit for the fact that the goalkeeper looked like he might have got the slenderest of touches to his follow up it, it did look that way on the rebound but even so I think it was going wide anyway but at least there was some energy about the place in that second half and I think we have to say Maguire again I know you touched on it in your bit before um, I came on Andy but you could tell how much it meant to him and even in that particular movement he's won the ball high up with a with a tackle you know aggressive he's then gone on the overlap to kind of get the ball back from Garnacho I'm thinking this is hilarious this is like Steve Bruce against Queen's Park Rangers you know 95-96 season all over again you've got I'm, I'm going for the, all the references in this podcast you know you've got your centre back trying to trying to be left winger we've got the audience desperately <laughs> like on YouTube trying to find these these games you're referring to if you go and search this listeners I promise you carbon copy um, except he didn't get the ball Maguire where Steve Bruce did and then it was the game you know when Cantona equalises late on and it goes United go top uh, anyway so he, he scores the goal and he's, he's slamming his hand into his chest and he's clear you can tell there's a bit of meaning behind that celebration and then it was him and Onana at the end you know off together getting chance you know there was actually a point as well when, when Maguire got the ball in the second half and shoot happened from the audience and I was like audience from the from the Stretford end sorry I'm still thinking I'm in live show mode um, and I'm thinking that's quite a nice shift from, from booze to shoots you know but anyway they can only get that tone so it's <laughs> got to be quite a low tone from the crowd obviously towards Maguire This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If Carl was here, Andy, he'd be saying we need to give the flowers, is it? Or give them their flowers, whatever he says Copenhagen. about... Copenhagen? No, Onana and okay. Maguire. Well, what, what do you mean, Copenhagen? Oh, because they were a well-drilled team. And, and the, I told you about the fans as well, didn't I? The cheeky little devils. Well, you called the people here an audience, so you can't be saying anything else tonight. I'm bastards, in fairness. <laughs> no, they were very good. And I think they were very respectful towards Bobby Charlton as well, which is a, a positive. Great moment for Anana, totally needed it, and it was a top save. He did make another really good save in the second half as well, and his post helped him in this in the first half. And then for Harry Maguire, he's on a slight upward trajectory. Spoke to him afterwards in the mix zone. Hi, Harry, how are you doing? Sound. So you've got time for a couple of words. He said, I've done about 25 interviews. I said, well, do you want to do no 
number 26? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> that was it. Well, you've, you've, you know, you I think no, number, number 26 is you're standing in front of it. Number 26 is tomorrow. Yeah, maybe I'll oh, tell yeah, everyone yeah. about it Ten on the podcast. Nah, yeah. He's, um, when we do the other bit. I think he's had his best week of the season. He's had his best week for more Along, than just yeah. this season. Yeah. And did well to head that ball down. You saw the relief um, in the celebration. So if you'd been picking out players who needed a big lift, those two would be two of them. Johnny Evans didn't play. Spoke to him afterwards as well. Said, all right, Johnny. Said, all right, Andy. Did he mug you off as well? That was it. Didn't even ask him for a few words. Spoke to Palestri as well afterwards. Said, all right. Said, all right. You've got a big game at the weekend. He said, yes. Wow. Searing insight, Andy. Thank you. In fact, that antidote was that bad. They just switched the lights off at Old Trafford. They must be listening in. (laughs) To be fair, I didn't ask him to do interviews. It was just like, you know, you're like, I see right. a lot of people as he walked past. Listen, if they would have stopped to me and said, can I give you an exclusive? Imagine though, if you didn't actually want an interview, they stopped and you're like, oh, I've got to ask some questions now. Uh, I did another one. <laughs> I did another one tonight. Anthony walked past and I say to him in Portuguese, how are you doing? He said, sound thanks, you. I said, yeah, but I can't speak Portuguese. I was what? cursing myself. What sound in Portuguese? I'm just digging myself a big hole here. It's sonido, but that's not going to translate at all into right. Total ball. He said, Total ball. How are you doing? Then he did one. <laughs> I've had the least, the most unproductive mix zone in my life. Oh, you heard from Rasmus Hoyland. That's a good no, guess. No, that, 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 that saved it at the end. That was my Anana moment as a journalist. I was about to come up here. I tell you, I think... Do you expect us to be cheering you as you came in? It, it's, it's the part of my job that I least enjoy, standing in a mixer. And uh, I'm sure people listening to this will have bag loads of sympathy for us, but there you go. Do you enjoy it? I've not done one for ages, you know. Yeah. I, it depends. I quite like seeing... If you get a good one where you can actually see things happening, I'm trying to think of the best ones that you've, you've got. Uh, I haven't done one for ages either. The last time I did one, Johnny Evans was playing for Manchester United. Why do you both think you're 10 men above doing mix zones, do you? i tell you one. I can, I can safely tell this now because it's years since it happened. 10 men. England, um, Uruguay, World Cup 2014. Loads of English media there. But the one lad I know really well is Diego Forlan. So he comes out and he comes straight to me and he, he gives me an exclusive and it's like blah, 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 blah. And it's all right because he's a nice, polite, intelligent lad. Tape goes off. He just said, England are absolutely terrible, Andy. Why are they so bad? I think, why didn't you just say that on the record? <laughs> they just beaten England, just knocked England out of the World Cup. But yeah, that's the, um, what people say in public and what they really mean. I was just thinking, do you reckon Rasmus would have been as pleased to seeing his brother in the mix zone if that penalty had gone in? It was his brother that was set it up, basically, wasn't it? Like, came on, it, like, injury time, you're thinking, oh, this is a nice little run out for the Hoyland, you know, he's not on the same, not on the pitch at the same time, and then he goes and actually provides a kind of crucial moment. Was it a penalty, do you think? I thought it was, yeah. I mean, seeing it live, I just thought, oh, he's oh, foot high. He sort of had to do it in a way, though, because I think... The lad's scoring otherwise, isn't he? Yeah, probably. Yeah, although he looked a bit... Uns- it looked like, El- I think, El Yanusi was the one, wasn't it? And he kind of... He basically goes to make sure there's kind of contact or it, it, it's, his head is where McTominay's foot is going to be. So he knows what he's doing. So whether he would have still done that if McTominay... But whether he would have actually been able to get on the ball, I don't know. But it, it, I don't know. People are saying it's harsh. I don't know. What, what do you think? 
I wanted it to be harsh, and I was sat next to Ian, and I <laughs> begging me. Weren't you? I was, but yeah. I was like, please just tell me that. Tell me VAR's going to rule it out. Yeah, and it was just you know when you you know that a decision's going against yeah. I also I'm glad we can smile here now because it was so poor for so long, but it is actually free free wins, and there's no way Manchester City are going to stop us winning at the weekend. He says. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Obviously, it was a very important occasion at Old Trafford tonight, not just for the football, but also for that tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton, who passed away at the weekend. Um, Manchester United needed to get that right, Andy, didn't they? And um, the feeling inside the stadium, it was a very emotional moment. Yeah, it was. I think the club did a lot right. Um, the flowers outside the Trinity statue. I've been here at Old Trafford the last couple of days, seeing them grow. Um, the words on the front of the East and the various books of remembrance, I think was done really well and made really open. Uh, I liked the Piper coming out. I felt the minute silence was, didn't seem like a minute to me. I thought the Copenhagen 
fans were impeccable and they had a big flag up as well. I couldn't quite see it, but I've seen it going around on, on social media. I spoke to lots of his teammates today, Paddy Crerand, Brian Kidd, Alex Stepney, John Aston had a couple of hours with them this morning and just hearing their stories was just, just great. It makes you realise why you love Manchester United when these people are refreshing, telling you stories for the, for the first time. And being outside the ground, I was there for a few hours and different people came up to me with different stories, including lots of people who were probably in the 70s and one guy lived near Bobby and used to see him, one guy who bought him an ice cream on a train in Japan. As you Just, do. As, as you do, but yeah. you know, all genuine stories and I think he came out of it pretty well. I was, I was surprised how well Bobby Charlton came out of the stories. It wasn't I feel like we've learnt more about his, his character in the last few days than in the last couple of decades. Yeah, it wasn't people coming and saying on the quiet, you know, he was a bit of a miserable bugger or any of that. It was, you know, he's scoring really well. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just echo Andy. I thought the tone of what United did was, was nice. Alex Stepney, Dan Gore, you know, obviously a, a young academy uh, graduate from Manchester coming coming out with Eric Tanag to lay the wreath. Um, maybe, I mean, the, the automatic reaction in the, in the stadium was to give applause at that at that moment and kind of chant. So I, maybe that could have been allowed to go rather than the minute silence, but I, I don't know. It's difficult to judge, isn't it? I think you also want to show respect to somebody. I know that I think in, in Michael Walker's obituary, he writes about Bobby Charlton attending uh, Bob Soko's uh, funeral and kind of feel like it was it was too quiet and he wanted a bit of noise. So, so maybe you know the, the clap, the clapping and the, the chanting that was there to begin that, I think was was a, a fitting touch. Uh, and the, yeah, as Andy said, the, the the amount of kind of scarves and, and flowers outside on the the Trinity standard and I, I like the fact that uh, Bobby Charlton's statue's got a, a little black uh, yeah. scarf around his neck um, and yeah uh, thanks to the club for allowing uh, journalists to sign the book of condolence at the press conference yesterday um, I managed to go into a separate room and, and write down uh, just some thoughts so uh, yeah as Andy said I think it's been handled uh, pretty well and I think there's, there's going to be more stuff against Man City as well yeah. just to, to recognise him against City on Sunday so I think um City fans have had some pretty awful headlines this week and those people who did what they did, I've got no sympathy for them whatsoever. However, the Manchester City fans who were here in 2008 on the 50th anniversary of Munich, those inside the ground were impeccable. And I've got a lot of friends who are City fans who were appalled at what some of their fans did at the weekend and had really good memories of, uh, of, of or really nice things to say about uh, Sir Bobby Charlton. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? 
FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Well, here we go again. Um, it's Thursday morning now. This is part three, I think, of the podcast. It's a different way to do it, but um, this is the way that we've done it today. I hope you've enjoyed the meandering journey that has been Talk of the Devils on this episode. Uh, and we're going to preview the Manchester derby this morning. Carl Anker has joined us. Hello, Carl. You all right? I'm good, thanks. How are you getting on? Yeah, good, thank you. Nice to have you back. We're going to talk about the game on Sunday, but Laurie, we need to get into your piece about Jaden Sancho, uh, which has dropped on The Athletic this morning and the situation with him and how exactly we've got to this point. I don't want you to give away every single detail in it, but just give us an idea of how we're still stuck in this situation. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth because I was going to tell people about the top like couple of paragraphs that you can obviously read for free Perfect. and then hopefully that draws those who are listening but aren't subscribers in to read the full piece the athletic.com <laughs> forward slash man united pod 199 oh yeah please please use our, uh, our our code sign up now yeah um the, the the piece is kind of just an overview of where we're at it's been a few weeks now hasn't it since um, Jaden Sancho was, you know, exiled from the first team and, and into the academy. So there's a bit of detail about what he's been up to and the kind of um, impression he's been given to people. Um, but the main thrust of it from from the top, which I feel is is the new detail, is the fact of why he he was, um, you know, basically dropped for the Arsenal game because of his training. But exactly why uh, and and what Ten Hag then tried to do to remedy the situation. Uh, with a video session with Sancho after they'd both been on a holiday after the Arsenal game, come back on the Monday and they went through it and basically they disagreed on that as well. So Sancho felt that he was perfectly fine in training. Ten Hag was showing him why he wasn't. And so then from that point, Sancho also didn't want to give the kind of apology that Ten Hag was wishing for, which was, you know, a, a private one uh, personally, but then that could be communicated publicly to the wider world to then contextualise, to explain why Sancho would be then brought back into the fold because obviously his uh, social media post was so public. Um, so, but yeah, that wasn't something that uh, Sancho wanted to do so it you know became uh, representatives and, and lawyers even became involved in the discussions but it reached an impasse and, and that's where we're at now and you know neither side wants to back down has any inclination to back down uh, I'm, I'm told that you know Ten Hag this week when it seemed like he'd said the word Sancho um, in the pre-Galatasaray sorry, in the pre-Copenhagen press conference um, he was bemused at the fact that then people sort of assumed that he'd kind of nonchalantly uh, brought Sancho back into the fold in a pre-match press conference. It was obviously Sergio that he'd said, Sergio Regulon. So uh, I think that kind of just emphasises the the fact that this isn't going to be something that's remedied anytime soon, and if at all, and then the alternative is, you know, a January exit. But that's not as straightforward as, as might seem. Okay, well, if you want to read the rest of the details, you know what to do. Um, let's talk about the derby then, Carl. You didn't get to have your say um, on the Copenhagen game because you weren't at Old Trafford. Um, I guess you can probably mix your thoughts into the preview to Sunday because undoubtedly, despite some of the giddiness at the start of this uh, podcast, it needs to be better fundamentally for United to get points at the weekend. Absolutely. If Manchester United play anything like the first half against MC Copenhagen against Manchester City, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, I thought it was really interesting at full time, some of the comments Ten Hag gave to Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes asked him whether or not he, he's finding it difficult to find the right balance in the team. And Ten Hag pointed out, he said, you know, we, we keep having to change things at the back. Um, and 
because you have all that irregularity in your defence, that means you have to make tweaks in midfield to compensate. And if you don't get that right, then you're just far too open. So they're just constantly trying to find that balance. And I listened to that and went, okay, makes sense. You're chopping and changing. But you did spend £60 million on a midfielder and it's quite weird that you're not using him. Mason Mount. Yeah. And and I think we're reaching this point now where Tenag said he hasn't had the chance to pick his best team because of injuries. Manchester City is going to provide a really interesting test as to how Ten Hag picks a team that can protect Onana and the rest of that defence and also can play a decent amount of football outside whipping in crosses to the big lad. Yeah. Um, the problem that they've got as well is in the attacking positions, everyone's available, Andy, aren't they? More or less. And I know that there's been issues in, in weeks gone by, but we've got to the point now where you know, you're pretty much picking your strongest attack. It is in defence. It's on the left side of the defence specifically but the attack is the one not functioning it's the defenders who are picking up all the goals and assists at the minute they should all be interlinked you know Luke Shaw can be a very important part of Manchester United's attack I get Ten Hag's point I get Paul Scholes' criticism I only saw it online because I was at the game I wasn't watching him on television I've probably not felt so little confidence going into a Manchester derby in all of my life Wow. That's interesting. Mm, big. Even more than that Solskjaer season after they just got beat 5-0 at Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, the Ragnick one, I remember the, the podcast we did oh, on yeah. the Ragnick going into in, going into that derby. There's a bit of competition. <laughs> absolutely bereft before a ball was given. Even David Moyes. Yeah. That oh, one. Some, but go on, Andy, why, why are you saying this one? I, I feel that although Manchester United have won the last three matches, the team have been entirely unconvincing. And I'm just worried that we're going to get an absolute pasting um, by City, who, who are obviously not a, not a bad side. I see a pattern with Manchester United, um, scraping wins against poorer teams, losing against better teams. We did beat City at home last season. If you can get a result against City, even a draw, then that would be could be a turning point because I can't understand why these players who convince so much up to sort of February 2023 have dropped off so much. So if someone like Casemiro was to have a good game in the Manchester derby, that would be important. If Marcus Rashford was to score, if Rasmus Hoyland, who I really like, was to score, then that could really lift everything around Manchester United in what has been a, a pretty poor season so far. I want United to win course of do, but I'm just pretty fearful. Carl, in terms of, Andy was saying there about some of the players dropping off from this point of last season, but the other night, Sofie and Amrabat had a first half to forget. That's the easiest way to put it, I guess, and was taken off at half-time. He's one of the newer players into the group, one of the players who's supposed to be sorting out some of the issues. You've got Casemiro back available now after injury and suspension in the Premier League and the Champions League. What does he do with the midfield? It's a curious one. I'm I'm quite confused by it all. I was, you know, you said Amabrat wasn't great in the first half, but I was surprised that Ten Hag took him off rather than Scott McTominay. It really looked as if in that first half, the entire game plan was to to make the most of McTominay's later arrivals in the penalty area. Which okay, you know, he scored he scored three goals in less than 300 minutes in the Premier League, but McTominay late arrivals in the box feels more like a tactic for the last 20 minutes of games rather than the first half of games. 
Ericsson now is getting to an interesting point. I know he gave some pretty strong comments to Peter Schmeichel after the Copenhagen game about how he was getting frustrated he wasn't starting. Well, he's having an impact. He was United's best player when he came on the other night. He is, he is. Ten, I keep saying, you know, Ericsson brings football to the pitch. But the issue with Ericsson is, you know, he's going to tire after the hour mark. You also know that he's not great tracking late runners into the penalty area, as we saw in a 6-3 against Man City as well. So... <laughs> This is the this is the annoying thing about Manchester United is that even though so much money has been spent on on wages and transfer fees on these players, there's two or three core ingredients that a, a top football team should have in abundance that United don't really have. I, you know, if if you ask me to predict the midfield three right now, I'm, I'm gonna th- maybe if Casemiro is fully fit, Casemiro and Amrabat to really lock down that midfield, and Bruno Fernandes in front. But then you can you can also see Ten Hag, you know. Doing a sidewinder and moving Fernandez on the right hand side again, perhaps pushing Ericsson to the ten, and then doing Amrabat and Casemiro in there as well. Yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum, Laurie, isn't it? Have you got anything that can maybe lift this podcast a little bit, give Manchester United fans a little bit of confidence going into the game? We had a very interesting tweet that came through as well from one of our longtime listeners, Becky Atwood. So, question for the pod: It's my fortieth birthday on Sunday. Do I watch the derby knowing that a loss will ruin my day, or not watch it? And potentially miss a win. Well, Becky, I'll answer it for you. You watch it no matter what. And afterwards, you have a drink to celebrate or you have a drink to commiserate. Mm -hmm. Everyone wishes you a happy birthday and you have a lovely Sunday no matter what. It'd be nice if United won though, Laurie. I think Becky should get down to the game and um, hopefully she sees you outside selling United We Stand because there's a new magazine cover. (laughs) uh, And you obviously... You know, you're, when you say me. Yeah, yeah, I mean you, Ian. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But I thought I I did United We Stand. Uh, someone needs to tell Clive Tilsley. <laughs> Why? What happened? <laughs> Me and Laurie were waiting for our half-time butty at the uh, FC Copenhagen game. And Clive, who's a lovely man who I've worked with many times, walked past me, shook my hand and said, uh, bet you've not sold many mags tonight, mate. Um, and rather than sort of doing the thing that I probably should have done, which I said, oh, sorry, mate, I'm not Andy Mitten, I'm Ian. Uh, I just went, oh, no, mate, no, not at all. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I mean, so, you yeah, hadn't sold many that, mags that night. It was absolutely spot on. I mean, it was factually correct. <laughs> I've not sold any, yeah. Um, <laughs> Love it. What do we but, think? Yeah. Do, do you two look alike? I did wonder I'm when, when Ian's now. wife came up to me in Dublin last week. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, you've made a smile, Laurie, if nothing else. But give us a bit of hope for Sunday. Well, yeah, that's off the pitch, isn't it? Yeah, on the pitch. Um... I just keep coming back to Rasmus Hoyland. <laughs> Is it bad that, you know, that's no. he's the guy that you just think, without getting carried away, but, you know, he stopped in the mix end, didn't he, Andy? You, you spoke to him and the quotes that have come out from what he's talking about, he seems to not just accept a question here. He's obviously thinking about things and, and sort of gives a proper answer. And he's, he's not afraid to say, I need a bit of time to bed him, but equally, I feel like this, this connection's coming and... Um, he's obviously got the energy, he's got those sort of nice touches and, and he can finish. It's obviously not happening in the Premier League yet. I mean, the Manchester derby would be a heck of a time to start scoring in the Premier League. Um, and, and I do also think Marcus Rashford always seems to show up in Manchester derbies. He's, he's certainly had a big impact in quite a few. And I, I thought that actually against Copenhagen, he was showing the signs and I, th- I thought he was doing this against Sheffield United a bit I know he, he made some decisions um, that I think probably were the wrong ones in Sheffield United but uh, I, th- I thought that the kind of stuff that he usually is good at he was starting to do again 
Um, I mean, there's that, you know, there's that sort of pass that he gives to Hoyland sort of over the top, um, which I think, you know, clearly that's something they're working on. Um, but I don't know, I, th- I think maybe the two of them, I think that could give us give, give United some hope that they they seem to be coming into this with a little bit of form. Yeah, City as well, Carl. I don't want to overplay this too much because um, they have won their last two as well. But they lost three out of four before the international break, two Premier League games in a row. The Brighton game at the weekend, they sort of, limped over the line a little bit with, with trying to hold on to that result. And even last night, finding a breakthrough against Young Boys in Switzerland, a team they'd be expected to to blow away, it took them till nearly the 70th minute to, to take the lead in that game properly. So um, is there any any sort of encouragement there for United in, in the fact that their form has, has not been at its imperious best? Those, those imperious, what a word, great word. Feels like that, doesn't it? Just a I was also thinking, like, yeah, yeah. Um, those Premier League defeats, I think, had a lot to do with Rodri being suspended. And uh, now he's back. So they will probably slowly kick into gear. And I think this is the thing. You have to get them while they're caught cold. Big thing is, obviously, the Old Trafford crowd's going to get behind United there. And I think, you know, if Old Trafford's really rocking, to, to borrow a mitten phrase, and you have a fast start in those early 20 minutes instead of trying to sleepwalk through, I think you can get at this City team. The The worry or concern about the City team is they have so many tools that they can you know, they can bring on Alvarez, they can bring on you know, Grealish. Doku looks really, really interesting now as well. So I think that the best thing is you don't get overawed in that first 20 minutes and you really go at them. And also, we are now getting to this point with Manchester United where every time they score, I get quite concerned about they're going to concede five minutes after. So that, that's a big thing to be aware of. It reminds me a little bit going into Liverpool at the start of last season. United had lost the opening two games. Liverpool were favourites for the title. There was protests. There was going to be events off the pitch, as there will be on Sunday in the Manchester derby, because the, Sir Bobby Charlton's life will be celebrated yet, yet again. And United turned up and going ahead early on, through a lad called Jaden Sancho, whatever happened to him, read Laurie's piece. <laughs> it just lifted the crowd, which needs lifting. I don't think Old Trafford was very good against Copenhagen in terms of support for the team. I thought the Copenhagen fans were good. I thought A stand was good, where the TRA were. The rest of it, nah. I'm watching European games all week and just seeing it miles, miles better. And we're in for one hell of a rude awakening when we go to Copenhagen and Galatasaray, by the way. But... United go ahead against City, Old Trafford will start to really go for it. And it needs that lift. United need a win or not to get battered at home to City. I'm not confident. I heard that City won some trophies last year. I didn't pay that much attention to it. I've just given them the respect of looking at the league table to see that they're second, that they've got the second, they've got the best defence in the league. United need to show up. It hasn't happened so far in any game in Old Trafford. And Laurie said, uh, Hoyland and Rashford, and in answer to my first question in this part of the podcast, I said them too as well. I really, I just watched Hoyland the other night and thought that he's a really confident lad and, and, and he knows where he's going, but he also knows he's still developing as a player. If he could score against City, brilliant. And the biggest cliche of all, it is a derby. I spoke to lads this week who've played in so many Manchester derbies, including on the City side, and they all came out with it. Form goes out the window, etc., etc. Manchester United were the best team in the world at times and still lost away to Manchester City. Roles have reversed a little bit, but come on, United, go for it. 
I think you're up for it now, Andy. Are you? I'm always up for it. I'm always up for it, but I'm just really unconvinced by the way Manchester United are playing at the moment, and I I hope that it can be turned around. If United are winning by playing badly, then that's a really good trait, and United have won the last three matches, but. I've yet to see United get a result against a top team this season. Carl? I once thought Man City were going to beat Manchester United on my birthday, so I wasn't going to watch it. It was partway through the day when I was all in the pub with my mates where my friend went, United have equalised, it's 2-2. And I stood up, I went, right, everyone needs to leave this pub and we need to go find a pub that's got Sky Sports so we can watch United get the winner. So uh, thanks, Chris Smalling, for uh, proving me right. <laughs> I think I told the story before, but I was sat next to Peter Smeichel for that game and we were right behind the Manchester United bench. And I think he felt like he was on the Manchester United bench that day. And every time United scored in that second half, he was like elbowing me in the side. Saying, Come on, <laughs> celebrate, celebrate. And I'm like, I would love to, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing my job today. I'm here as a, an impartial <laughs> Premier League pitch side reporter. But I have to admit, I did go meet my dad for a little swift one afterwards. Because um, <laughs> despite the fact that City were going to win the league anyway, it did feel like a little bit of a victory that day. What with fireworks on the roof that were never let off and T-shirts that were printed that were never worn and whatever else was planned for that day. Um, in a bit of a quagmire of a situation, that did feel like a, a little bit of a victory. Right, before we wrap it up, we just need to talk about Manchester United's defence as well. The uh, the glorious goal scorers that is Manchester United's defence. Laurie... Anyone back for this? How, how, how do you see that shaping up? Because he's got decisions to make again, hasn't he? Yeah, I think it was an interesting decision and you know clearly rewarded that he started Harry Maguire. It wasn't a given. You know, he could have started Lindelof at centre back, which you know he was the preference at the end of last season. Um, but clearly, with Regulon being back, I think he maybe had an idea in his mind that he couldn't play the full game. So Lindelof was going to be a substitution at left back once Regulon tired. When when he came off, he looked like he was blown out his ass to be honest, Regulon. So um, I think that, but I think he'll be okay for the derby anyway. Um, and then there was you know another left back in the stands watching events, Luke Shaw. Um, I think that's the first time I've seen him at Old Trafford for a game. Um, so he was you know so that suggests to me that he's getting close. I know we've sort of said November as a as a uh, month back for him uh, but clearly he's not started training yet um, but Tara Malassia did start training um, this week he was just doing solo work ahead of the Copenhagen game so clearly he's going to start edging his way back so you, you'd, you'd think that he might be an option you know in the coming you know weeks maybe um, but I think I guess he's just going to go for the same defence because he hasn't really got that much option. I know he could bring Johnny Evans into the starting lineup and guarantee victory, Andy, but <laughs> I think he might stick with the uh, the guys that did the, a, a decent job against Copenhagen. It wasn't perfect, um, but you know it was a clean sheet. And I kind of think that Ten Hag has a view in his mind that if you've got players that are, have done something good in the last game, they they keep their place. Fair enough, but you'll be eating your words if Johnny Evans does come on and Ed's a winner ten minutes from time. Well, you could have the d- the defensive duo that Pep Guardiola has, has twice, you know, sort of tried to get. You know, Maguire and, and Evans. He's, he's had a sniff at both of them, hasn't he? He tried to sign Johnny twice, twice. He tried to sign him. Not not this year, I might add. <laughs> no. Well, it, and and Arsene Wenger tried to sign. Oh, him so you're saying well. United beat off Man City to sign Johnny Evans this summer? Yeah, we'll write that as an exclusive now. <laughs> I think if Johnny Evans heads the winner and runs into the crowd, we should crowdfund any fine that comes his way is that optimistic enough for you boys yeah that's the perfect way to finish it Andy I think thank you so much everyone for listening to this three part podcast Andy thank you for joining every part Laurie thank you for joining too Carl thank you for joining the finale remember if you want to get in touch with the pod whatever happens on Sunday 
You can email us with your thoughts, devilspod at theathletic.com. But for the moment, thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one, whatever happens at Old Trafford. Bye-bye for now. Enjoy it. Athletic.